are you? Welcome to another rendition of the podcast. Thank you for joining me. And today is going to be the second half of the Q&A from the check-ins from last week. So we are nearly finished our first week of power. That has absolutely flown. Honestly, I can't tell you, it's so good to have the classes back, the group together. I find it a really great space for exchanging information, for motivation flying around, keeping everyone on track. And I'm just really, really pleased that we are up and running again for a second round. So this week has been, uh, it'll be hot on the press this morning, um, Nicola Sturgeon's decision yesterday to extend the um, the gym closures in Scotland. I'll touch a little bit on this um, at the end, but yeah, crazy, crazy week. But I hope you enjoy this as ever. If you've got any questions, comments, etc., let me know and pop them below. So the first question, let's fire straight on into this. I want to cut out alcohol for the duration of the four week challenge. Do you think this is a good idea and do you have any tips for doing this? Okay, so alcohol and weight loss. I do know in this context that weight loss is the goal, so that is how I will address this. I think the first thing would be to question, why is it you want to give up alcohol? Is it because of the calories in it? Is it as simple as that? Is it because of the way it makes you feel? Is it currently acting as a bit of an escapism? Um, I think it's fair to say that the majority of people's alcohol consumption has probably gone up over the lockdown period. Um, I think it's a difficult one because it's, it's very much down to personal preference. And I myself, my alcohol consumption has not gone up. It's probably gone down since lockdown. But I know that isn't the case for a lot of people and I completely understand why. So let's assume that in this context, your alcohol consumption has gone up a little bit more um, just with being off work and you know the situation being what it is. I would have a little look at what you're currently consuming versus what you used to. Was there a point previously where you had a better balance or a grasp on your alcohol consumption? And what is the difference between that and what you're currently consuming? Where I would be, would be where I would start. I would also have a look at the frequency and the amount per week. So is it something, is it like a glass of wine every night after dinner or is it more like a bottle on Friday and then Saturday and then maybe Sunday, like have a look at the distribution over the course of the week and what that's equating to. Is that impacting things that are happening during the week? Does that mean that your movement decreases at the weekend? Um, do you get hangovers? Does that affect your productivity, etc.? cetera? Um, and look at it from that perspective. In terms of cutting it out, would I recommend it? I mean, there's no reason you couldn't completely cut it out for a couple of weeks if that's something that you are interested in doing. The other option would be to either cut it down. So like I say, review what you're currently doing versus where you want to get to and either gradually cut that down. Or it might be a case of switching up what you're drinking. So perhaps if you're a fan of wine, beer, um, ciders, for instance, in terms of fat loss, the calorie content, the sugar content is just higher. There are higher calories than say a clear spirit and a diet mixer. So that's generally what I recommend to clients who would like to socialize and for alcohol to be part of their, their socializing process, um, but they don't necessarily want to have the associated um, calories involved in that. So that would be something I would try is either reduce gradually to get down to a point where you are happy or thinking about switching up your drink of choice 
or a bit of both, whatever that may be for you. Um, experiment with it, try it. Do you find that you enjoy not drinking so much? Do you enjoy kind of having maybe more time, more energy, you know, saving money is a, is a very, very practical one. Um, and if it lends well to accelerating your fat loss, it would be something that you might want to consider longer term. But um, give it a go. If you are implementing new habits and routines into this four weeks, this might be part of it for you. And I would encourage anyone to try something new and see if it works for you. And this segues quite nicely into question two. I always find it hard to deal with social situations when on a diet. I always get the, oh, why are you dieting? You're already thin comments. And I find it really awkward sometimes. And it would be great to know when I'm out for tea, etc., what the healthier choices are so I can stick to a lower calorie diet as much as possible. Okay, so let me answer the first half of this. Questions and social awkwardness around dieting. Yeah, it's a really, really tricky one. And if you are already, um, if someone was to objectively look at you and say, oh, you know, she's thin, you know, what does she need to diet for? It can be really discouraging. Um, and it can feel as though you're not, potentially understood from your nearest and dearest which is a bit disheartening particularly when you're working hard towards um towards your goals i think there's a very clear distinction between being quote-unquote thin and body composition so when i mean body composition i mean kind of toned physique building muscle improving fitness performance strength all of these things and crucially from a health perspective just because someone is thin or they appear to be thin does not mean that they're optimizing their health, say for instance, as well as they could be. So I think that would be something to to emphasize. And you know, of course, if it is your family or another half or close friends, it is something they will understand. And I think it's you know a, a good thing to sit down and explain to them that it is important to you to be making these changes for you and um, for a number of different reasons outside of aesthetic um whether it be you know running further distances improving strength whether you go to the gym for your mental health and staying on top of things like that's an absolutely valid reason to be exercising and looking after yourself physically so i would have that conversation and make it really really obvious and really clear and um, why you're doing what you're doing I would also move away from even the term dieting and um, just the way that we refer to it in the connotations of restriction and uh, yeah, basically restriction. That's not necessarily why you'll be doing things. You might be making alternative choices, but you might not necessarily be in be restricting and that's a subtle difference that perhaps is more obvious when you eat out when obviously everyone's choices are kind of scrutinized when you go out for a meal or lunch or whatever that may be but I think it's a, a fine a, a fine line but a valid point that you would be making choices not because you want to restrict the amount that you're eating but perhaps you're trying to fuel your body more effectively in line with those goals that you've set yourself. And in this context, I do know that it's performance um, and body composition other than uh, rather than fat loss. And this might not be applicable, but I think it's a valid point to make. Dieting body image, they're very, very personal. Um, they're very personal and they evoke quite a lot of emotions in people. Very sensitive uh, and understandably, it's how people present themselves to the world. It's how we all look, appear. 
and it's very unusual to find someone who is sadly it's very unusual to find people who are completely at peace with the way that they the way that they look the way that they are physically and what sometimes happens again unfortunately is that someone who appears to have it all to you know have the body that someone else would desire it's very easy for them to project those feelings of um, unhappiness at their own self-image onto other people as I say it is unfortunate but it does happen and unfortunately it does happen within women and it's something that I actively try and work towards changing you know you never know what's going on behind closed doors someone else's situation you don't know anything about their journey for instance I really like the phrase Brian Keane uses don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. Now you might be comparing where you are versus someone who's been training for years and has actually worked through a variety of their own struggles in order to get to where they are. Um, I'm sorry without going off on a complete tangent here just bear in mind that Perhaps the comments that people deflect onto you come out of their own insecurities and they might not even mean it, like it genuinely might not even come from a place of um, malice or spite or to put you down or anything. It might just be a subconscious um, way of saying, you look amazing, like you've got nothing to worry about and it can come across maybe not optimally sometimes. More straightforward, how to choose healthy options when you're out for dinner. So a couple of options here. I'll run through some of my favorite strategies when it comes to this. And this is because I'm nosy and I love food and I'm also a massive planner. I will never really go anywhere without having looked at the menu first. Guilty. I've chosen what I want before I even get there. Now, this can be from a greediness standpoint. I just want to know what I'm going to have. But you can also do it from a planning standpoint which is very very valid so say for instance you know you're going out for dinner on a Saturday you you want to have something different maybe you're going to an Italian you want to try the pasta you want to have something you know you want steak burger whatever that may be something that you wouldn't normally have in the course of the week and that you're pretty aware is going to put you into a calorie surplus now a tactic I like for that one is there's no need that you shouldn't have it or avoid it but just plan for it in advance if you know that you're going to be having something at the weekend, maybe you want to pull back some calories during the week to allow for that so that you can have that choice informed, you've planned for it, you've made provisions, you've pulled back elsewhere, banked some calories as it were, and you can go out for that meal and you already know what you're going to have, your mind's set on it and there's no guilt attached to it whatsoever. I really, really like that for a number of reasons. Also, choosing what you want in advance, and it might be that you go for the quote-unquote healthier option, absolutely fine. Say, for instance, you know you're going out for three, four, five meals. Maybe you've got a really busy work week with lots of lunch meetings, etc., and you know you're going to be out multiple times. You can't always indulge in every one of those meals. Maybe you have to choose the quote-unquote healthier option. Planning in advance and selecting from the menus is is a great option it allows you to plan the rest of your day to make sure that you're staying within your allotted days calories another tactic i like is the the four two so if there are four elements of a meal a starter main dessert and drinks i'm gonna say alcoholic drinks um if there are four components of a meal picking two of those rather than having all four. So maybe you go for the main and the drinks, maybe you go for the main and the dessert, 
maybe maybe you go for two desserts no but do you know what I mean like you're not going um the whole hog you're staying nice and controlled and you're saying do you know what I'm going to choose this consciously before I go I'm really going to enjoy the things that I am going to have but I'm not going to go absolutely to town I'm not going to leave stuffed like I can't move um and I'm going to you know enjoy make that decision and really think about it in advance I think like anything a lot of it is to do with planning um another tactic it's not so much a tactic actually it's more of a principle the more that you learn to track your food the more that you spend time with apps like my fitness pal maybe you're doing a photo food diary maybe you're following a meal plan the act of physically weighing out food of looking at a plate assessing a plate knowing what's in front of you and being very very aware being able to equate that food to calorific value over time, it makes it very easy to eyeball food. You'll find people, quote unquote fitness people, are very good at being able to eyeball quantities of food. So they'll just be able to go, that's 40 grams of oats. I just know that is by looking at it. I know that that amount of sweet potato is X number of grams and will equate to Y calories. You just get very, very good at knowing based on just a visual representation of what's in front of you, how to equate that to a caloric value. The more you do that, the more time you invest, learn, and you know, we all have our kind of go-to foods. We all are, we can be creatures of habit and we tend to gravitate towards the same foods. Well, learn those foods. And what happens then is that when you go out for dinner and you look down at the plate that you've ordered, you can kind of be like, okay, well, I know that's about 150 grams of chicken. Okay, well, I'll move a bit of this over. That's all salad. That's absolutely fine. Um, I'm going to have this amount of potatoes because this equates to this. And you can become very rational in your thought process behind what you're actually looking at. Um, practically as well, ask for substitutions. I think in this country, I noticed this when I was in Canada, restaurants were amazing for catering to you as the paying client. If you wanted to sub out um, you know, chips for more salad, if you wanted to remove sauces, sauces on the side, sub them out for something else, they were so, so, so good at it. And I don't know if it's a really British thing that we're just so hesitant to, to ask, um, but do it. You're there for a meal, you're there to enjoy yourself, but if you're doing it as part of a a dieting protocol or if you're watching what you're eating for health as we mentioned performance reasons whatever you're still entitled to choose how you want your food serves and be really really firm about that and um, there's no reason that you shouldn't and you can only ask so you're probably not going to ask for anything ridiculous so just you know sauces on the side is a common one sub out veggies and um, ask for your food to be cooked in a certain way grilled etc baked rather than fried and these are really really good little options and most places are happy to cater to your needs and um, so give those a go and let me know how you get on particularly i think as restaurants um and thankfully eating out is becoming more of the norm now that restrictions are lifting this is going to be something that's really really prevalent and i'll talk a wee bit more about this in the group at a later date really simple one but probably the most common asked question or comment i want to try and find my motivation again help so motivation motivation is something that comes up very very frequently because it's i don't even want to say it's a problem it's just something that i think a lot of us rely on as if it's this external orbiting 
thing that sometimes we have sometimes we don't have but it's detached from us and you know sometimes we'll get really lucky and we'll have it other times we we just can't find it and we're just waiting for it to kick back in there's lots of things you can do yourself in order to help that process and the main thing I would say would be to set yourself a goal now this is something you can do on your own but also I think something that working through with someone else as in a coach is a really important thing to do one because they will generally keep you quite realistic and they'll push you they'll keep you quite realistic and when you say your goal out loud you tell it to someone else and you commit to it, there's something in the act of doing that that makes you very, very, oh, it makes you really commit in a way that you wouldn't if you just thought it in your own head. So my first port of call would be to set that goal and to share it with someone, um, someone who you know will keep you accountable and who won't be afraid to call you out on your shit if you're avoiding sticking to that goal. Don't tell it to your other half who'll just pussyfoot around you, no and say to someone else who will be like, okay, right, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you said you're going to do exactly what, have you done what you said exactly what you were going to do? Sorry, I'm going to speak. Um, so what happens then is that it becomes less a game of motivation, but more a discipline of working towards the goal that you set yourself. And the main thing with this is to keep it really, really manageable. I think a lot of us have this distrust in ourselves. How many times have we said, I'm going to do this, 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 even in our own heads, and we never follow through. I think we really generally manifest this distrust in our own behaviours, and that's something that I work quite hard with my clients to break. And the way to do that is to set really manageable tasks. So don't wake up and say, you know, this week I'm going to work out every single day for an hour. I'm going to do extra abs in the evening. I'm going to, no, don't. If you don't exercise, make it realistic. Set three workouts that week. Honestly, no more, no less. That's all you need to do. Then build that trust. Do the same again the week after. If you're happy then, add a little bit extra in. You can always, always add more. But what tends to happen is people will bite off more than they can chew. And then when they don't follow through, they feel demotivated. It's not that they are demotivated, just they actually weren't able to stick to what was an unrealistic goal to start with. So set yourself up for success from the start, make it realistic and just make those steps towards that outcome every single day, every single week and you will build motivation in your own ability to achieve your goals. Fourth question, this is something I wanted to touch on because I know a lot of you are supplementing your power workouts with things like Couch to 5k. So I'm having pretty severe hip pain after every time I run to the point where even walking the next day is agony. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying, obviously, I am not a physio. Um, I'm also not seeing this person face to face, so I don't know exactly um, what's up um, and I can't see them to do so. But I know that they've consulted um, advice outside of this, but I just like to address this generally because it is something that's come up either with hips or knees in individuals that perhaps haven't run a lot previously and have then gone and undertake things like Couch to 5k. So what I would say first and foremost is check the footwear in that you're in your running that you're running in. Sorry, um, check your footwear. Make sure that it's appropriate. You probably don't want to be running in Converse, anything too flat. 
five pound trainers at a Primark, like you probably want something that's more cushioned, more stable, it's gonna give you that support and allow you to cover that distance, particularly if running is new to you and you're running longer durations and distance than you have previously. I'd also make sure that you are stretching both before and after your runs. Make sure that you're not hammering straight into it, that you're allowing your body time both to warm up and to cool down. And you can either do that by designated stretches for your hips, your quads, whatever that may be, um, or just walking, making sure that you're cooling down with some movement. You're not you know, finishing your run, jumping in the shower and then sitting down for the rest of the day. Make sure that there is a nice transition between, between your workout and real life. Um, when it comes to things like hips, if you have naturally tight hips anyway, perhaps you have quite a sedentary job that involves you sitting down a lot, they might be quite tight before you even start. So you want to be looking at stretches that open up those hips. Try and start the day and finish the day with those stretches anyway, irrespective if you're running on a given day or not. When it comes to sore knees, often if you think about it, the knee bang in the middle of the leg it's probably an issue that's either coming from above or below. If it's coming from your quads, you can do things like obviously specific quad stretches, foam rolling. If you've got a foam roller and you like a bit of pain, I would really encourage using that to um, get rid of any tension in those quads, give that a go. And as I say, frequency wins over really duration and length here in terms of stretching and rolling. So give that a go and see if you um, if you see any marked improvement. But obviously, if you don't, um, consult your consult a professional. And I missed the end of this question. It just simply says how to grow an ass. Uh, a lot of glute work. A lot of heavy glute work. So at the moment, obviously now we are in um, home workout territory. A lot of us don't have a lot of weight at our disposal, but that is no reason not to get a good burn. What you want to look for is a lot of volume. So invest in some resistance bands. Um, I know we all used to laugh at them previously and you know it was like, oh, there she is with her resistance band, but holy hell, do they work? If you can activate properly and you can get a really good squeeze, um, yes, employ resistance bands where possible. You want to be targeting the glutes from basically different areas. So whether that's things like hip thrusts, glute bridges, and then into things like glute kickbacks, donkey kicks, etc. Adding in pulse reps, pause reps, little bits of weight if you can single leg, double leg, everything, as much variety as possible. And like I say, high reps, like I'm talking like the 15 to 20 plus range rather than, you know, 10 reps, rest, 10 reps, rest. I've said this before, like it just doesn't really cut it for me at the moment. When the gym has become available, you want to be employing exercises like barbell hip thrusts. Again, weight is essential, but then dropping back with some pause reps. So I'm a big fan of supplementing heavy loads with accessory work that's lighter and higher volume. So I'm not really one or the other. I think there's a place for everything. And, uh, and that would be how I would approach that. Your classics, if you can learn to squat properly to activate your, your glutes and become you know proficient in that, squatting, lunging, Bulgarian squats, split squats, anything like that, great, great exercises, the fundamentals, the basics. Why? Because they work. 
Um, you also want to, depending on your body type, you may be trying to strip away fat from your body to define more in the way of glute work. Or if you are flatter, shall we say, and you're looking to build glutes, make sure that you're in a calorie sur surplus so that you are fueling those workouts in order to grow that muscle as effectively as possible. Number five, it's like I planned the order of these or something. This is a question for when the gym's open again. I'm looking to progress in my compound lifts, deadlifts and squats primarily. What's the best way to do this? I feel like I've been stuck on the same weight and unable to progress for a year or so. So I'll start by saying I love progress goals. I love progress, process goals, whatever you want to call them. Goals that involve generally exercises um, or a degree of improvement over time. So it's something that you are looking to achieve steadily rather than an outcome goal. So an outcome goal would be X weight on a scale, Y body fat percentage. That's very different from a process goal. And I love the mindset that surrounds goals to do with exercises that is a dedication and a commitment to seeing gradual improvement over time. It really, really pushes you. And I like the, the mindset that this employs. So when it comes to your compound lifts, again, love this, um, your primary lifts. So they would be your bench press, your barbell hip thrust, your squats and your deadlifts. So if we're talking about squats and deadlifts in this context, especially what I would suggest, and I touched on it previously, Program in both of your exercises across the course of the week. So what you want to be doing is you want to be hitting those muscle groups frequently. So I'd say two, maximum three times per week, depending on what you're currently training. But mix it up. So say on one day you will squat for a PB. So you'll be aiming for your heaviest weight for you know six, eight, ten reps, whatever that may be for you, maybe five. Um, on the second day of the week where you would also be doing your squats, you'd be wanting to do back off sets whereby you go for higher volume at a much lower weight, half the weight even, quarter. But you want to be doing that for volume and in that session, you want to be employing things like tempo changes. So instead of going for straight reps, maybe you go down for a count of three, pause at the bottom, pause rep and come up for one, but you're doing a much lighter weight. What this is allowing you to do is you're still working the muscles, you're still working the muscle groups, but it allows you to hit and aim that PB every week. You wouldn't be looking to up your squat every single session that you go in, particularly if you're doing it two or three times a week, it's just unobtainable. So what you'd be looking to do is try and hit that PB once a week, but in your second or third session, you're mixing up that accessory work. You're in performing the exercise again, you're just doing it in a different way so that the muscles are getting used to the, the variation. And variety is the spice of life with this one. And what it's allowing you to do is continue to work on that progress goal, but you're not fatiguing your body to the extent where you're trying to push for maximum output every, every, every single session. From a practical standpoint, if it's squats and deadlifts you are looking to do, I would do your heaviest squat day mixed with your lighter deadlift sessions and then the converse so your heaviest deadlifts supplemented with your much lighter squats and always go for the heaviest lift first so obviously warm up however that's applicable to you um, and then you want to go in and do the heaviest compound that you're doing 
first and foremost to so start with the big lifts and then move down to your accessory work again depending whatever you've been programmed um, to do obviously if you need help with that give me a shout and um, but all of the exercises that are a part of your program should inform your overall goals and it goes without saying log 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 like you should be logging all of your lifts and um, logging mood morale and um, exertion everything that's going to inform the output of your sessions when we log it when we know what's going on then we can manage and change it if you are shooting in the dark um, it's going to make it really, really difficult to pinpoint where the slight issues or barriers may be because a year is a long time to be on one weight and sometimes it's a case of you're pushing and pushing and pushing and not getting anywhere where actually sometimes you just need to back off. Now you're in a very, very unique and great position whereby all of us have essentially been we're going to be going back to the gym several steps back from when we left and I will be the first one to put my hands up and say strength has definitely decreased it goes without saying and unashamedly so like strength has gone down because we don't have the weight we don't have the machines don't have really much at our disposal what's gone up possibly cardiovascular fitness possibly functional fitness and um, learning uh, home workouts have brought a whole different spectrum to training and i'm really pleased that they have what it's going to allow us to do though is when we go into the gym nice and fresh you're going to get those newbie gains. You're going to get that opportunity to progress as if you were completely new to gym exercise and you should be really, really excited for that. Like if ever there was the time to start pushing through previous barriers, it's going to be when you go into the gym this time. So get yourself a program before you even go in. Message me if you need that. Um, and I see no reason why you couldn't excel, exceed your previous targets. And the last one, tips on being more productive. You always seem to get so much done. How? <laughs> um, firstly, I, I don't know that I do, um, but I will maybe just go through my process. I'm not saying it's the way to do it. I'm just saying it's the way that I kind of run things, the way that I make sure that everything gets done, gets done um, as far as possible. And yeah, my tactics and tips Firstly, if any of you know me very well at all, you'll know I am a slave to Google Calendar. Even if my calendar isn't planned in advance, I almost use it as a bit of a, a bit of a diary, so to reflect on the week gone by. The reason being, it becomes really easy to pinpoint where the gaps of time in your day might be. So say for instance, you know, I can look back on a week and be like, do you know what? Every single day at X time, you take an extended break. It just brings things to the forefront and makes it glaringly obvious really and um, what's gone on in the scope of your week. Do you need to use Google Calendar? No, absolutely not at all. Maybe paper is the one for you, old school paper diary, maybe your phone, just even in notes, whatever it may be, I don't know, but just find a way to document what you're doing um, before you even think about how to go forward. In saying that, I like to plan for firstly what needs to be done in the week so what are the essentials in terms of the absolute like the absolute tasks that need to be done on a given week but then also I usually break that down into what I need 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 to have done on a given day and I will plan that the day before so before I close my laptop for the evening whatever time that may be I will determine what needs to be done the next day and outline a plan for that so that at least I'm starting the day with you know an outline blueprint and I'm not shooting in the dark in terms of how to proceed. I think as well it's just about being really 
honest with yourself and knowing your own personal routines like I just know I work better in the morning I do so I do all creative tasks and tasks that require real like mind power first thing in the morning and I leave kind of secondary tasks or things that maybe don't need as much brain power but you know those automatic tasks that are just a case of working through or they're just very practical um, I tend to leave them to later on in the afternoon when I know maybe I'm, I have a bit more brain fog and um, so that being said as well I implement my exercise and walks in tactical positions where possible bear in mind this is just where possible real life usually comes into play and bulldozes this all out of the water but where possible I then implements uh, workouts walks etc in places where I know I'll tend to be a little bit more tired say so if I know I tend to get a bit slouchy or get a bit of a dip at four o'clock that's when I'll program in a walk just because you know what it's better doing that and getting energized off the back of that rather than trying to sit at a desk and force work like it just doesn't really happen and um, I tend to get a lot of creative stimulation and ideas from going for things like walks you know maybe sometimes just turn off a podcast and I'll you know brainstorm as I go it tends to work really well and um, to be honest it's it's trial and error it's it's knowing what works for you I have lots of systems in place that help me speed up a lot of what I do and um, but that hasn't come out of nothing it's come out of making 101 mistakes before so do I get a lot done no <laughs> um I just think it's about knowing what needs to be done and trying to get that done and as well it comes back to the first question actually about being motivated and having goals like I have a really strong desire and you know a vision image of what I want to get done and it really drives me to kind of stop faffing around a lot of the time and, and to get it done do I have days when nothing happens absolutely like that's nature and those burnout days or those, you know, days of, do you know what, I need to foot off the pedal here for a longer term gain absolutely happen. But that's usually due to, you know, external factors or whatever may be going on. So nine times out of 10, try and keep it as, as routine based as possible. And, and the outcomes, you know, will come from that. So that is it for the questions of the podcast this week. We don't have a check-in this weekend, but I'm going to do something a little bit different. So keep your eyes on the Facebook group because I don't want to leave it completely open-ended at the weekend. I would like to set up for a successful second week. So like I say, keep your eyes on the group. Yesterday, Nicola Sturgeon came out with the... Um, policies in regards to gyms opening in Scotland and that now being pushed backwards towards the 14th of September probably. The 14th of September will mean nearly bang on six months of the gym being closed. I said this on Instagram and um, on social media I didn't foresee that honestly and um, I was surprised I didn't think it would be that long I'm not going to bang on about this because I don't actually think there's much merit in adding to the volume of people feeling disheartened, disappointed and angry about what's going on. I'm going to say we are where we are and there's actually nothing we can do about it. Well, for me, I'm not going to waste time worrying about what we can do about it. We can dealt our cards and let's do the best with the, with the cards that we've been dealt. Let's work forward. We've done so well to get to where we are. Another six weeks is not going to make or break it. If anything, what I would encourage people to think about, think about a world of lockdown where you had, excuse this, sat on your arse and not moved 
for the last five months. What position would you be in now? I know, probably not great. The steps that you have taken so far have put you in the, in the position that you are in now. This is not the time to give up on, on your goals. It's not the time to throw in the towel to say, well, you know, press that bucket button. It's absolutely not. We're going to make the most of it. We're going to continue to work hard and it will come round faster than you, than you think. Um, at least an end is in sight. At least a date has been set. And let's make the most of it. Honestly, let's bounce off each other as much as possible. Let's keep morale, mood, motivation as high as we can because that's what we can do. That is within our control. Stay positive. Continue to work. I know it's not ideal. I know it's far from it, but it would be a much worse state of affairs to now sit down for the next six weeks, eat everything that you wanted to and not move. When you've been working so hard for such a long time, this is not the time to do that. So chin up, keep going. I'm not going to get upset, angry or vent about it. Again, I don't see the merit in it. So without going too much into it or on about it, let's go for it and let's see what we can do for the what will be the final push. done for the day 16 episodes of the podcast so far um that's yeah that's great i really love doing these i think it's a great way to get longer form content across for me to expand on ideas and explain a little bit more in depth than i can do on say instagram or just in the written text on a post so if you do enjoy these genuinely i'd love to know where you find the most useful, whether Q&As are great, whether you'd appreciate more opportunities to send in questions, whether you just like me talking about, you know, very factual things, how to eat out, how to program alcohol into your week, etc., etc. whether kind of personal anecdotes and, you know, my fitness journey is something you find more interesting or useful, whatever that may be, let me know. If you've got any topics in mind, that would be amazing. What I'll do is I'll post a little um, a thing on Facebook and Instagram this weekend to kind of give the opportunity, but please message me. If there's anything off the top of your head that you're like, I actually really enjoyed that one. If you could do more along those lines, it is really, really useful. And of course, the main point of doing this is to help and provide value to others so obviously I want to tailor the content to do that as much as possible so have a great weekend and for those of you checking in online ladies I will see you tomorrow power group I'm going to see you on Sunday but again I will post in the Facebook group what the kind of protocol behind that is going to be so have a great weekend we'll catch up really really soon